Hello and welcome to the second episode of Radio Headspace. I'm Georgie Yokel and I'll be here with you every week exploring how the mind works and what the mind is capable of. If you listened last week, you'll know we launched our anti-excuse project right across Headspace. And it seems that we always go from excess throughout the holidays to detox and goal-setting and life-changing choices in the new year. And so with all of that in mind, I wanted to look at the idea of running from our pasts and running towards our future. I wrote an article on the Headspace blog at the end of 2014 on how this idea manifests itself quite literally for runners. Sometimes we run because we're setting ourselves goals and challenges that we're working towards, and sometimes we run because we've changed things in our lives that we don't want to go back to, so we're running away from them and we're leaving them behind. And I have two incredible guests on today's podcast who represent both sides of this coin, First up, I'll be talking to Blue Benadum. He's the co-founder of the LA Speed Project. He's a running coach, two-time winner of the Lake Tahoe Triple Marathon, a man who has run from LA to Vegas and who's pushed his body through more than 50 marathons in the last eight years. And then I'll be chatting to Lee Gerson, who's in New York. She's the holder of the New York Midnight Half Marathon title, and she's one of the fastest women in running right now. She's also someone, and I don't think she'll mind me saying this, who came through quite unbelievably tough circumstances to reinvent herself on the New York running circuit. And she's personally something of a hero of mine, so I feel very lucky to have both of them with us here today. First, though, Blue Benadum. Blue, welcome to Radio Headspace. Thanks, good to be here. Good to have you. So like I said at the top of the show, some phenomenal achievements for you already. Over 50 marathons. Uh, You recently ran from L.A. to Vegas, which is ridiculous. Um, And we're not talking about just, you know, getting through these things either. You're running these things real quickly. So it might be a weird question to start off with. But how old are you? I'm 35. Okay. You're 35 and you've run how? Do you know exactly how many marathons? Not exactly. I think it's around 55 yeah, it's, I stopped <laughs> counting after a while, so I just kind yeah, of have a rough number. Yeah, that's a lot. So over eight years or so? Yeah, I guess so, yep. 55 marathons. That's incredible. And I asked you to send me like a few facts and figures um, ahead of this show, and you said that you've been running marathons since 2006. So was there some pivotal moment then in 2006 where you're like, this is what I want to start doing? No, you know, I think the marathon kind of found me because I had a friend who basically he was doing a marathon and he he kind of talked us into it. And I didn't know exactly what I was getting into as far as distance wise went. I think I'd run 16 miles as my furthest run before the marathon. I was like, ah, it's another 10. You know, what's that? And it was just so much harder than I ever expected. And I think that's what kept me coming back for more. Yeah. Well, because that's the thing, you know, a marathon is 26.2 miles. So for a lot of people who have run a marathon they'll run that one maybe a couple in their lifetimes and that's enough for you when you signed up for that one was it at the time I'm just gonna do this one I'm just gonna do this one challenge and then that's it you know I I think at the time it was like yeah let's just conquer the marathon you know and it was so much harder than I thought that I as soon as I could walk again I felt like I gotta do it better you know yeah and then the next time I did it it was the same thing it's like man that was you know, I, I got a little better, but at the same time, I, I knew there was more in me, and so I knew I had more to offer, and it just kept being that. I think it still is that. It's it, it's a, it's always enticing because you know you can do a little bit better, or if something goes a little, if something goes right, or there's a variable that you didn't account for, you know. And yeah. the marathon is just, it really is about like balancing variables, you know. Like, okay, well, I need to eat differently, or I need to train more of this or less of that. So. Yeah. 
So are you constantly just like tweaking your training and just like little increments here and there? Yeah, I mean, it, I you know, over the course of all of my marathons, it's I've done so many experimentations on myself, you know, like yeah. I think four marathons ago, I didn't take any gels, which typically I eat like five or six gels during a race. And I was like, I'm just going to try go without, you know, and it's like you, you hear, you can read the science about it, but until you actually feel, you know, what it's like to do certain things, you know, you don't really, really know. So, so do you feel like now at this point, after so many marathons and so many challenges, you're, you're really in tune with your body? Like, you know exactly what your body is saying and how it's feeling and. Yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like I, I always felt like I knew my, uh, my limitations, I guess. You know, in my, my first few marathons, I, I ran, like, say, 314 was my finish time. And it was just, and I felt like, okay, well, that's, I, that pushed my hardest. That was like, I, I give it all, you know? And I was like, that's basically what I'm built to do is like a 314 marathon. And then I got to the point where the next thing I was running, like, in the, you know, 240s was my finish times. And I probably ran 15 races with, with, in that, you know, area. And, yeah, I thought, okay, well, now I've found a new, you know, this is actually how fast I can be. This is, you know, and, you know, what I've learned now is that there, that doesn't really exist. There's real no physiological boundary as far as, you know, what you can run. It's just how, I think it's how much time you spend at it. Like, I was always, I was always curious. I wanted to see, like, how much more I could get. And so, yeah, I, I really, at this point, I'm like, I don't really know how fast I can run. I've, my fastest time now is 223, and it's, it's so different from what I thought I could do. That it's when people tell me, oh, how fast do you think I could run? It's like, I just, you know, I don't even, I have no idea, you know, like how fast do you think you can run? And I, we're, part, we're probably both wrong, you know. Would you say that to anyone? Because there's a lot of people that are like, they say, I'm just no good at running. Like, I'm just not good at it. But do you think really anyone, if they train and they focus, they can? I, I think there's obviously certain body types that are predisposed to certain activities, you know. I mean, I'm not going to ever try to outswim Michael Phelps, you know, and it's like we're obviously two different athletes, you know. And, um, but, yeah, I think with, you know, relative to yourself, I mean, anyone can run and anyone can make drastic improvements based on where they're at. Unless you've been running for 10, 15 years, like, you know, really hard and really pushing it already, your gains aren't going to be as much. But for most people who have never really experimented with it, you really have no idea how far you could get and how far you can take it. So. And do you... You must get a kick out of seeing. Do you look back and look at those improvements? You know, are you always looking forward to the next challenge and the next goal, or do you like to look back and kind of assess where you've come and how far you've improved? I think looking back for me just kind of keeps me going forward. You know, it's like when I see what I've done, I'm like, you know, it's cool. It's like I've surpassed what I thought I was going to do, but it's more about just what I can keep doing. I'm really so obsessed with the now. You know, it's like, what can I do today? So yeah. it's cool what I've been able to do, but, you know, it's it's more about what, what's happening tomorrow and, you know, today. See, that's interesting because when I see, you know, all your goals and your targets and the things you're setting yourself to do, I wonder if, you know, you're missing out on the daily steps and the daily training and, you know, getting there. But it sounds like you're not. It sounds like you're in it and you're aware of every single day, of every training session, of all the changes. That... Yeah, and I think it's because those goals that, that I put out there, I mean, as achievable or unachievable as they may or may not be, it, the whole point of it is just to keep me getting out there every day. And I know that for my own self, you know, I'm more of like a, a dreamer and I'm pretty, you know, I'm more of artistic type of personality. So I can get, you know, I can get lost in the magazine aisle for two hours in the supermarket, you know. So for me, 
in my personality type, having these goals really keeps me accountable and it gives me some structure where it's like the day in and day out. It gets me out the door at 6.30 in the morning every day, which is something that I probably wouldn't do, you know, without it. Yeah. And then how much, because you're talking about the training and the little tweaks and getting faster and faster. And now, you know, it was interesting when you said that physiologically maybe anything's possible and you don't even know at this point how quick you can actually get. But surely it gets to a point where a lot of that training is is mental like how mentally willing are you to push yourself through the pain through the early mornings through the like setbacks through the injuries i think i definitely have discovered i have a high pain tolerance you know it's like as the different levels of fitness i've been in in different races i can always just kind of hammer you know and it it hurts and i kind of I, i don't know if i enjoy it or i can just i can just deal with it you know and i can deal with it for a long time and i think with training the really hard training workouts are essentially like what's your pain threshold and how willing are you to go into that pain threshold and how long can you hold on to that and stay there and just be okay with it. And I've just gotten to the point where it's like, okay, every weekend I'm going to go out for 20 to 30 miles and visit that pain threshold and, you know, test it and stay there. So now the marathon isn't the only time that I, that I experience that now I'm doing it, you know, quite often. So I think that's definitely kind of, for my, I think it's something that I see that some people maybe don't really want to have in their life, you know. So. Well, it's interesting because I suppose our natural response to pain, and it's why we maybe quit or fall back on a lot of the promises we make to ourselves to go to the gym or quit smoking or whatever, is because once we get that pain or that like uncomfortable sense in our minds, we'll just stop doing something. So our natural reaction is like, oh, I'm going to stop doing this now. Yeah. <laughs> um. What? When do you stop? Like, does that mechanism kick in? Do you just, you learn to kind of accept it and use it the, in some way? There was definitely a transition for me. I think when I first was running marathons and it it started to hurt, I think I had more of that natural, like, okay, this isn't good. It hurts, you know? And now one of my mantras is when, when it starts to hurt, make it hurt more. Be- okay. Become the pain. I am pain. And so it's like when you're running, you start to like, look, bring it on, you know, like, oh, it starts to hurt. Okay, that's what I'm looking for. Let's go. Let's do this. And it's partly knowing that, you know, that one, you can get away with it, that you're trained for it, and that you're actually not, you're not really going to die. You know, I think the first marathon, I was I was wondering, maybe I'm going to die. This is pretty intense, you know. But down, you know, years later, it's like, okay, I'm pushing really hard and it's going to hurt. But, you know, I do have that goal out there that keeps pushing me. And, yeah, it's you're kind of okay with that temporary pain. And you do have all these goals and all these targets you're you're trying to reach. Uh, is there is there an ultimate goal? Is there a long term plan, or you just keep setting these things? Yeah, I think it's for me. I because I feel like I've surpassed what most of my goals were. I feel like it's it's more a matter of just staying staying alive. You know, like seeking seeking the thrill or seeking the adventure. You know, and just staying staying um, present in your life. You know. And I think with, it's easy to get jaded and just be like, okay, well, you know, I'm 35, like, you know, now what? But I don't ever really feel like that. I feel more like, okay, I got, I got another day. Sweet. I got another week. I mean, let's, let's push it. Let's see how much we got. And I, with running, you know, it's not something that I feel like I could do to this extreme when I'm, you know, 30 years down the road. So I do feel like there's a bit of a window of opportunity for me. So in 10 years, I might have a little bit of a different approach, you know, as far as my goals go and as how, how hard I'm pushing. But I, I hope that I'm always kind of 
in the mode of seeking the next adventure, I guess. And I know you want to um, set, what is it, a triple marathon world record this year? Is you know, right? yeah, that was just another, that's just kind of another random goal, right? Like, I, so I, I ran the Tahoe triple marathon, which is three marathons in three days. And you run around the whole Lake Tahoe and beautiful race, really great people. And I did, I think I placed top three the first time I did it. I got second place and I placed third the second time I did it. And, and so I won the last two times. I've won it and I've got the third fastest triple marathon time. And so it's just one of those things like, okay, well, if I'm third, you know, let's just, you know, so that's one of my goals is go for, go for the fastest. Why not? Yeah. You know, and that's, will, yeah. Does it mean, will that mean anything to you? You know, that piece of paper says like, you're the fastest man in the world to have ever done that. Will that? Not really. <laughs> just because it's like, it's, you know, somebody will come and do it, do it faster sometime, you know? And so it's just, it's just kind of fun. I think it's just, it's a, it's a game really, you know, it's a game to play. And there's definitely a sense of, with athletics for me, I feel tied to, you know, kind of just the history of sport. You know, I love, like, I love watching. I went to Athens and ran the original marathon from the city of Marathon to Athens. And, you know, just there's, I don't know, I always feel, like, tied to history. I love history. And, you know, there's something with, with athletics where it's like you can be the best in the world at the time. And then, you know, 10 years from now, you're just going to be, like, nothing, you know. They, people just keep getting better at everything. So it's it's just fun to be in the arena and just be out there playing. Yeah, and just I guess push the body and mind and see what you're capable of yeah. if you really if you really push them. Do you think in some way you're perhaps either addicted to running or addicted to that high or maybe addicted to the pain in oh, some yeah. way? <laughs> I have addictive personality. Like whatever I do, I I smoke cigarettes for quite a few years and kick those about when I started running the marathon and. But whatever I do, I always push it. You know, I I wore a Superman um, outfit when I was three years old, and I didn't take it off until kindergarten. So <laughs> it's been like a thing with me. <laughs> just whatever I do, it's like to the max. You know, I remember I got dreadlocks and got into reggae singing, Rastafarian life in middle school, and that lasted through my high school years. And you know, it's, it's always something with me. It's like I'm whatever I take on, I'm really gonna do it and really just get into it. So it's now it's like- running. It's all or nothing. Yeah, it's all or nothing. Uh, and what do you think about when you're running? I always like to ask runners that, but I think your answer might be different. Oh, man. I mean, I think running so much. Like, I love how you're, you're very active-minded when you're running, right? I mean, there's, like, dog running in front of you, jumping off a curb, a car's coming on your left, you know, and, like, you got six more miles to go, and there's so many things just involved with the run, right? And so there's that aspect. I mean, you're looking at a beautiful view. You know, there's just so many things that running can be along with, like, you know, like we talked about, the pain and the suffering and stuff and pushing yourself as far as your own your own um, boundaries and stuff like that. So I don't know if there's, an, like, a one answer for that question. I think every run is kind of different. And I think maybe more important is, like, the intentions, you know. Like, every run has a kind of a different intention. So I might go out with some friends for a five-mile run just to kind of, you know, just kind of shoot the and, you know, it's it's different than a run where you're just going out there and trying to see how fast you can do six miles in. So, yeah, every run has a different kind of meaning for me. Yeah. Um, and so what, in the same way that your, I guess, your intentions change on every run, uh, does your motivation change for, you know, all these mornings you're getting up at 6 a.m.? Does your motivation change every day for the, the getting up and getting out there? You know, I have a, I think the structure for me is important because I have, certain things that I know I have to do to achieve my goals. I have to do certain types of runs on certain days. And so, and I have that structured. I have programs that like, you know, that we follow. And so I think that helps with 
setting the intention of every day and every run and making sure someday a lot of days you do not want to do what's on the schedule you know it's like really i can't walk today let alone run 10 miles at that pace come on you know but i guess you just either you do it or you don't you know and i think yeah, i have a lot of friends and i know a lot of people who just don't you know and they're like okay with it and i'm like yeah i just i just i gotta do it gotta do it you just do i just do it <laughs> And before you go, I do want to talk about the LA Speed Project and you guys running from LA to Vegas, because I mentioned it at the beginning. Um, how did that come about? How how many miles is that, first off? We ran 340-something miles in about, I think it was 41 hours and zero minutes. It was like pretty, it was an even number. Yeah, and so it was, I don't know what that average is out to be, but um, we had six runners, four guys, two girls. And we jumped in an RV, and it was actually a buddy of mine, Niels Arendt. It was his idea. And when I, from the day I met him, he was talking about it. And so we finally put it together, and, yeah, we actually, his his crew filmed the whole documentary on it. And it's kind of a call to action where it's like, all right, get out there and do it, you know. And, yeah, it was a, it was a test. It was, we didn't just run to see if we could do it because a lot of people run really far. It was more of like how fast can we do it? How fast can we run? You know, I think I ran 60 miles in 41 hours, and we weren't getting much sleep. We were running 10, 10K at a time, and so you'd go through each six. You'd have about two hours rest in between the next time you'd run. Yeah, so it was uh, not a lot of rest, and through the night, you know, no stopping. Is it worth it? Yeah, because none of us knew. You know, can you do it? You know, we found out. That we, I guess we could. Yeah, and I guess every time you find out you can do something, it's like, all right, what next? Like, is it like are you almost pushing yourself till you can't do something? Possibly. I think it's it's like searching. You know, you're always searching for your boundaries and your limitations. And so, like, that was one of those things where it's like it's on the edge of is this possible, you know? And we had so many – we had, like, a lot of logistics crews and people talking about the route and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, it's like some people were worried. You know, you guys are kind of – yeah, this is pretty intense, you know, six people running that far, it's, you maybe need 12 people. <laughs> and so, and we were like, yeah, maybe you're right. But for whatever reason, we chose six and let's just go for it. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, and for people, because I mean, I watched that video and it is, it's really inspiring and just like, it's an incredible little short film. Where can people watch that if they are listening to this and they want to see it? It's on uh, Vimeo right now and just The Speed Project is what it's called. Okay. And yeah, you just pull it up and it should be there for you. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing what you do next, for sure. It'll be crazy, that's for sure. Yeah, I have no doubt. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Thanks we'll for having me. Soon. So from someone running towards all these challenges to someone running away from what was a pretty challenging time, I'd like to introduce the incredible Lee Gerson. And before we talk to her, I just want to read you this. It's an excerpt from her unpublished autobiography that I've been lucky enough to read parts of. And her story focuses on a turbulent four-year period spent in Florida after fleeing New York City. And it was a time spent dealing with addiction, an incredibly abusive relationship, a generally reluctant attitude towards being alive. So here's a quote from the opening chapter. The exact date is unimportant. It was summertime and I was a 23-year-old drug-addicted alcoholic with an eating disorder trying out recovery for the umpteenth time. By the time April arrived, I'd been kicked out of rehab, moved back to New York City, and was working the counter at a hot dog place on St. Mark's. Most people hoped to have their lives figured out before turning 25. The only thing I was hoping for was to die. 
Not really what you would call a desirable life goal, but it was definitely within reach. I achieved that goal two months later, maybe sooner than expected, but that didn't work out as planned either. Lee, thank you for joining us on Radio Headspace. Hey. Hi. All the way from... How's it going? It's, it's good. You're in New York. Is it still snowing? Um, no, it's not snowing, but it's pretty brick outside. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, two pairs of pants kind of weather. Two pairs of pants. Two pairs of pants. Yeah. Um, so before uh, you came on the phone there, I just, I read out... Um, part of the opening chapter of your autobiography, which I know you're still working on. Um, mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough when I was in New York a few months ago to read the first few chapters of it. Um, so thank you, first of all, for sharing the beginning of it with me because it's um, it's quite the story. Of course. Um, what made you, I know you're still working on it now, but like, what made you want to sit down and write all that down first off? Um. It had been kind of in my head to actually get it out on paper for quite a while. Um, But uh, I never really kind of had the wherewithal to sit down and do it. And I happened to have actually been out in L.A. a few months back and a friend, you know, kind of just put it into place for me, got me started with a notebook and an iPad and I just took some time and started writing and, um, really kind of found it, you know, I'm not going to go ahead and say cathartic. Um, but it's, it's been a process and I think, um, with, you know, kind of, the way my life has started to shape itself in the past couple of years, writing this um, and sharing my story is uh, definitely, I feel, a way that I can work with others and inspire them in a way that I didn't really think was possible um, or worthy, you know. Um, A lot of it is just for me. I think I can spin a pretty good yarn on paper. So, you know... Where, where what happens with this i'm I'm not really sure, but it's definitely i think good to kind of organize my thoughts and uh put some meaning to the crazy four years that I am choosing to focus on and it's my life in Florida and then how rumming has affected me since then and yeah, so I think that's kind of a little synopsis and it is amazing and like and just i guess to recap because you know from what i've read and i know this you know the story isn't out there yet but you went from a place you know you were back in so where i left off the part that i read before you came on the phone was that you'd Mm -hmm. you know you come back to new york and you were thoroughly miserable and you've been kicked out of rehab and then after that uh you spent some years in florida and kind of living with addiction and you know, not happy to the point where you said you wanted to die. And then from that to where I, the place where I was when I found out about you and who you were was like, you were this inspiring role model to me on Instagram and on social media, (laughs) where you're this girl winning all these races in New York, you know, running. And I was like, who is this girl? And um, it was interesting, you, you kind of mentioned it on, when we were talking on the phone before this interview the other day, that, um... You kind of want to inspire people by 
being real and honest. And so when people look at you and they're like, oh, that girl, she has it all. You know, she's fast. She's winning these races. She has a cool job. She's a pacer, all these awesome races. Like, it's not that easy, right? And it's like, like you said, there are still days when it doesn't feel easy. No, yeah, that that's completely true. I mean, <clears throat> it's funny because when I was a kid, and I don't know why I have this notion in my head, but there's something about my life that I just really never thought that I was going to make it past 25. Like, <clears throat> I started going very hard at everything that I did, you know, uh, at a very young age. Um, so be it soccer, um, which I played as growing up or school or drugs and alcohol. And, um, you know, every, every, I gave everything a hundred percent and I and knew that was going to run me into the ground. And I, I didn't care. I, I always thought that that whole rock star lifestyle was super glamorous and dying young before you could get old and, you know, look ugly and haggard and tired and, you know, everyone around you is gone was a lot more appealing than, you know, living life and participating actively. And, um, I kind of got tired. Like when I think, you know, I, I did die and I was in a coma for, for about five days. And, uh, I came out of the coma and I was in the ICU and I was by myself. There was no one there. I didn't see the only member of my family that came to the hospital, which can you blame them, um, for another two or three days because they were celebrating my brother's wedding. Um, So it didn't change what I was doing or the direction that was going, but it definitely made me realize or maybe it put the notion in my head that I I could do something else and and if I'm not dead then I should do something you know and then how do you channel all of that into where we find you a couple of years later uh and you are on the running circuit in New York. You're winning all these races. You've just won your first uh, New York Midnight Half Marathon. How do we get to that point? So what happened was is that um, I had kind of, you know, doing hair in uh, Palm Beach, Florida is very seasonal. And so to kill my time um, and you know, my bank account, because I had tons of cash to just burn through. Um, I started getting high again, and I didn't want to. And I called my sister up, and she said, come home to New York. So I came home for a weekend, and then uh, that time I realized, like, I was super skinny. I wasn't really fit. Hanging out with, it's always a dude. Um, And I was like, he runs half marathons and um, I was like, Oh, I, I could do that. And I was like, and it's free and look how in shape he is. And I'm going to be super fit too. So I started running, <laughs> you know, I had, I had run when I was in high school on the track cross country. So it wasn't like it was completely on like out of the blue, but it had been 12 years since I'd gone for a run. 
Um, and, you know, I would just run back and forth across the city. Uh, once I moved back up here, it was like my first run and it would take me less than a half an hour, but that was four miles. You know, my sister was like, damn, you're fast. So I just kind of started doing it off and on a little bit, like the way it made me feel, you know, um, so I'm going to do with my dog. And, um, I had a friend who had run a whole bunch of marathons and I started just kind of going out for these like epically long runs, no watch, no, no real purpose other than my, my brain shut off. You know, it was the only time that I had where I wasn't thinking, um, just kind of looking around me and taking in all the sights and sounds in New York and, um, going late at night or early in the morning, you know, all you, all you hear are your feet hitting the pavement and the sound of your breath and maybe the occasional car alarm going off or lights flashing and changing colors and you hear the ticking of the of the lights before they're about to change and it's just very very peaceful um and so running became to me my my therapy so I started running a bit more and uh it was really really hot that summer on coming into June uh I saw my friend had signed up for the midnight half I saw his post on Facebook he was getting a divorce and he shared the event, and I was like, when I checked out the website, it was the second year that the Midnight Half Marathon uh, put on by uh, Joe Donato and uh, uh, David Trimble of Orchard Tree Runners and Trimble Racing where it um, was happening. And I saw the winning time from the year before. I saw there was a cash prize, and I said, I can run faster than that girl. I'm going to win that money. That's exactly what I said. And I showed up. It was actually at midnight, so it was a Friday night, I remember. So hot, and I didn't know what to do but go to happy hour and drink margaritas, so that's what I did. (laughs) And I showed up, and I found Joe, and I said, I'm going to win. You're going to be giving me that money. Am I going to have an an escort so I know where I'm going? You know, like the bikes on that pace, the the lead runner um we've all seen in different races so i was like you're i'm gonna be the one to watch kind of just laughed at me it's like yeah okay who are you like where did you come from i've never seen you before whatever um got lost uh shoelace came untied uh, a few times ended up running over 14 miles and i still was the first female finisher and uh so I got the money, and that's how I kind of got started in the running crew scene. You know, I lit up a cigarette after the race, and it, Joe came up to me. He's like, all right, hey, how's it going? Like, come run with us. And everyone wanted to know who I am, and I had been looking for I'm like, hey, there's some really cool people here. And uh, let's, uh, wow, there's group runs. There's what's a running crew. I would never heard anything about this kind of stuff. So, um I showed up the next Tuesday night and uh, ran with these guys, and I was desperately trying to uh, keep up with uh, my now good friends and um, panting as they're just talking casually. Do you think that's another driving factor, this this community and this crew life that you mentioned, 
you know, do you think having that keeps you going and keeps you getting up every morning and training and winning races, having that community of people who are looking at you and expecting you to to do something good and to be brilliant? Uh, see, no. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, I'm not going to curse, but I really don't give two Fs about what anyone else expects of me. Um, I have always been the externalizer of my own internal goals and put all the pressure on myself. Other people's support is kind of just a byproduct. Now, when I'm running a race, like in D.C. for the half, in the, for the Nike Women's Half Marathon, I must have talked myself in and out of that run every mile and a half. Okay. I'm tired. I have another race. And I have two races this week. I, you know, eh, you know, I just... I just ran a couple half marathons in the past couple of weeks. Do I really want to be doing this? Oh, wait. Look at all the people who are waiting here. They're here for you. They're cheering for you. They're running around taking it. Like, okay. So while I'm actually racing, I think that holds me accountable. But why I do what I do is, is completely for my own. It but going hard in a race when I know I can, like when I'm tired and I know that other people are inspired by what I'm able to push my body to do, um, that keeps me going in, in those moments. But on, on the day to day, I just, I just want to be a good person for myself and running helps me do that. And, you know, I, I do have a gift, I believe. Um, yeah, so I've sure. been told. And if that goes away and and that's how I validate myself, then I'm going to end up being miserable. Um, but if I do something because I love doing it, um, then, then I'm always going to enjoy it, whether I'm super fast or super slow. Um, whether I'm winning races, whether I'm just participating, whether I'm cheering my friends on, because that's super fun too. Yeah. Um, and you know, the community of people that I have met have become a family to me for sure. Um, but I also know that while I met these people through running, that's not what, what bonds us together. I mean, and I'm going to let you go after this next question, but mm-hmm. I just, I want to know quickly, just in the context, I mean, and there's like, there's so many aspects of the story of where you came from, where you are now and where you're going. Uh-huh. But do you ever, you know, think for a second that if you didn't have this, this running lifestyle, the races, the community and all the rest of it, that you, you maybe at this point in your life would be somewhere much different, somewhere much darker, you know, somewhere, somewhere else. Like, did running kind of save you in that way or? Uh, Yeah. Actually, it did because there's definitely there's been some uh, you know hard struggles. I I don't know necessarily anything compared to what I had gone through, but like you know since I I started running, um, I've had some thoughts about you know I really would like to be in a different place and kind of make all the pain go away and 
you know, that would involve needles in the arm and, and, and shutting off and forgetting the world. But I know that it doesn't make anything better and it would take away all that I do have and all that I will have from my passion and from running and from the hard work that I do. And that's kind of how I check myself is what will I lose? And that's everything. So, well, I mean, you've been a huge inspiration to me and I know a lot of uh, other people. So thank you for talking to us and for sharing your story. And, of course. Uh, we'll, it's uh, my pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank Sounds you good. so much. Bye, Lee. You're so very welcome. Bye. Bye. You can follow Lee on Instagram at Person for inspiration. And if you want to get motivated to commit to your goals for 2015, why not download the Headspace app and take just 10 minutes out of your day every day to meditate? In the meantime, there's plenty more on our anti-excuse project over at headspace.com. And I will see you back here next week for another episode of Radio Headspace.